Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Minds on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today I'll be speaking with Pete McCleary, who's also a licensed clinical social worker. And for the next few episodes, Pete and I are going to be talking about what we're calling mental health misnomers. But essentially, these are mental health terms that Pete and I find that people use in their everyday lives and their everyday conversations. And we thought it would be important to talk about how they're used in everyday conversation versus how we use them from a clinical standpoint and what they really mean. So today, Pete and I are starting off those conversations by talking about bipolar disorder. All right, Pete. Well, I know that you and I had spoken about sort of things we might want to cover when you came on the podcast. And one of the things that came up was this idea of mental health misnomers. And I think we both kind of came up with some examples of this, but I was just wondering if maybe you'd want to tell people what we mean by that when we say that. Yeah. So misnomers kind of exist all across the board when you're thinking about mental health. And in some ways, that's that's kind of how we got here, right? People recognized that there were certain mental health conditions and we started to label them. But over mm-hmm. time, society has kind of clustered some of these together and started to use them, I'll say, uh, inaccurately. Mm-hmm. Um, and the th- kind of two to three main big ones I'm thinking of are bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and even depression. Um, right. are kind of like our three big leads. Yeah, so I think we both had the thought that, um, you know, if you work in the mental health field, you noticed that these words have kind of creeped into the, have kind of crept into the vocabulary of a lot of people or like in pop culture, just in the lexicon that people use every day when they're talking. You'll hear people describe other people as bipolar. I don't know what her problem is. She's bipolar. Um or in the obsessive compulsive example, they'll say like, yeah, I'm so OCD. I, I need to organize my closet in this way. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when you realize how serious the, the actual disorders are or the, the actual conditions are, uh, when you hear people say that, you kind of want to cringe a little bit just because cause in reality, the people that live with these disorders or live with these issues, they're struggling with a lot of, at times, very serious symptoms that are uncomfortable. So I feel like, and I, I think you feel like, that part of our responsibility as people who work in the mental health field is just to maybe give a little psychoeducation on how we hear them being used versus what they actually are and how serious and uncomfortable the symptoms can be at times. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's really two parties here that get impacted by this, right? There's the people who don't have these conditions that are now being labeled with something that they don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes that then kind of degrades, uh, that's where like the stigma comes from, right? Because nobody wants to be, quote, crazy. No one wants to be bipolar, um, especially if uh, people are being called that who don't have it. And then on the other side, you have people who actually are bipolar who are going, wait, I don't act like that. Why are you making what I have that condition, which makes it harder for them to get help um, because it, you know, it kind of creates a different public face to these conditions than uh, actually exist. Yeah. And it just feels bad, right? Like if 
you um if you have bipolar disorder and someone's and, and you know that but then someone's describing someone else to you as being bipolar because they're unreasonable or whatever of course that's not going to feel good for you to hear them say use the word in that way because like well what's wrong with people who have bipolar disorder well right it's and it's in those instances it's it's always being used as like a derogatory term for someone's behavior. Right. Um, not necessarily as an excuse, but it's, it's literally attempting to explain away unwanted or undesired behavior. Uh, and they're doing it by labeling another disorder with, you know, just undesirable traits. So, mm-hmm. Hey, we're here. We're going to talk about it for a little bit and uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. So, I guess a a good place to start, because I know that I've definitely heard this, is bipolar disorder, like we've been talking about. So, you know, I'll often hear people, like I said before, say, um, this person, you know, I don't know what what his deal is. He's bipolar. I don't know what uh, happened with um, her. She was being so unreasonable. She's she's bipolar. So the way that I've heard it expressed before and sort of like I said, just when people are speaking in general is this person, uh, their mood changed very quickly. So they're bipolar or they're being uh, unreasonable. So they're bipolar. Uh, But I think it has to do with like this idea that it's a rapid shift in someone's mental state or in someone's mood. Yeah. I mean, bipolar is a very complex condition and i think what you'll see like one of the themes as we go through these misnomers is people take the literal meaning like the lay literal meaning of the word like bipolar Mm -hmm. and they say this person was happy and now they're crying or this person was great and now they're yelling and so they must be bipolar Mm -hmm. um i mean yes but you don't have bipolar disorder you you if you want to describe someone as being moody go for it but bipolar disorder really is a complex relationship of two very distinct psychological mood traits and i think the biggest way to dispel the way society uses this term is to look at how we as mental health professionals actually diagnose bipolar disorder because in our definition, we are looking at persistent mood states that vary over the course of time, right? So a depressive episode is a key component to being diagnosed as bipolar, but you have to have it for weeks at a time, right? Right. So when you say to someone, you're being bipolar, you're happy now sad, or you're mad now glad, um, you've, all, you've actually disqualified them in some ways from being like bipolar. Right. I mean, not right. exclusively, right? But mm-hmm. though the main way that we're using the term um, goes against how we would actually diagnose the condition. Because, hey, for those of you who don't know, bipolar disorder is a relationship between a manic condition, which is, you know, when people are super, super up, uh, not sleeping, high energy, talking really fast, big, grand ideas. Sometimes they don't even seem, like, sensical. Um, and they're in that state for, you know, sometimes weeks at a time. Right. They don't quickly necessarily fluctuate between that. Um, And then over the course of what what can be suddenly, but it's like one sudden shift, they will go from that manic episode into a a pretty deep depression. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they will stay in that depressive state for a period of time. So 
Uh, that's the bipolar nature of bipolar disorder. It, it is uh, like a three to six week window followed by a shift, a dramatic shift into another one. But, you know, those two mood states uh, are, are weeks and weeks in building and not just some, some way to describe like intraday behavior typically. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yes, I mean, there is a, a piece of this that has to do with the dramatic mood shift, um, but the length of time is not, it, it's really not so immediate. It's not the snap of a finger. We're talking about um, two dramatic different mood states, but those dramatic different mood states last for weeks at a time, days at a time, months at a time, not split second. Right. And while mania has components of someone who may be like laughing, crying, laughing, crying, the energy level is the same, right? Mm -hmm. They're high, 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 high in that time. It's not like they're laying on the couch, not able to get out of bed. And then all of a sudden, you know, running out to the beach or, you know, you know, popping up to go see their friends. The, the behavior is erratic, but within a realm that is recognizably erratic. Mm -hmm. um, I know that that might sound a little funny but like basically if someone is manic they're manic and they they're they might show a fluctuation within the, the manic part but they don't go to these wild extremes sure so the baseline when you're manic is going to be elevated correct right uh, regardless of whether you're a little bit up a little bit down or your behavior is changing a little bit it's going to be elevated yeah and and Oftentimes, you know, if we think about how the term is often used, it's usually used to describe mood swings, which, hey, I think the big misnomer is mood swings is a better term for someone having mood swings than bipolar disorder. Yeah. And actually, when I was thinking about it before, when I was talking about how, like, I've heard this term used, it oftentimes has a lot to do with anger. Like some maybe someone yells or has a temper tantrum or something. And then it'll be, well, you know, yesterday I talked to her and she was fine. And then today I talked to her and she yelled at me. She's bipolar. Um, so I do think that a lot of this also has to do with like when someone sees another person having an anger outburst, they're often to point to like, oh, she's bipolar. He's bipolar. Um, and anger could be a part of this, but it's it, if it is a part usually it's a pretty small part and it's more about the uh, depressive episode and the manic episode. And um, so feeling depressed versus feeling really high energy, really good, not as much having to do with anger. Right. I mean, the word too, if I, if I think of how I most often hear the word or the term misused, uh, you mentioned anger, which I think definitely captures a lot of it. But I also think of like explosive, right? It's like mm, these like, yes, rapid, yes. sudden shifts. Uh, and, and we almost describe that as that is what a bipolar person is. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes, you know, I think of explosive because typically people who are reacting to their environment explosively are often sitting on something, right? So yeah, maybe they're smiling uh, at a dinner and then you know, they're, they're keeping whatever's going on in check, but then they finally hit that breaking point and then boom, they have a sudden shift mm -hmm. and now they're labeled as bipolar. But the reality is they just had a lot going on. Right, right, exactly. And I guess when I think about bipolar disorder and how I think like people who aren't involved in the mental health field or have no experience with it in their family or whatever, 
where they might struggle to think about this um, is more when it comes to manic episodes than when it comes to depressive episodes. Because I think that the majority of us can understand what it feels like to some level, to some degree, to feel sad, to feel depressed. But I think most people have less of a under less of an understanding and probably less of less experience dealing with someone who's manic. So could you maybe just talk a little bit more about what exactly a manic episode and a depressive episode looks like? Sure. I think mania is, um, in my experience as a professional, it is difficult to treat because a manic individual typically does not have the same like recognizable thought process when they're manic as when they're at their baseline. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes you're dealing with someone who almost feels like they're under the influence of some mind altering substance, right? Because they have these first and foremost, um, there's like a pressure to them almost as if something's Mm -hmm. constantly pushing them into motion, into thought, into, into action. And so these individuals kind of really, um, they kind of roll over you a little bit. They talk fast, they think fast, and, and it doesn't always have to make sense. As the mania progresses, um, it gets less and less logical and grounded in reality. Sometimes mania can start with um, an individual feeling great. So oftentimes if you read memoirs or books written by individuals who have this, they'll say, early mania feels amazing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is because the brain chemistry is feeding the right kind of, uh, you know, hormones and, and neurotransmitters and all that stuff is, is giving them this kind of like feel good energy. Right. But, but what happens is with all of this energy, the need for sleep goes way down. And so as this manic window, as we mentioned before, three to six weeks, um, it's not uncommon for people to get to 10 to 12 days sometimes with maybe two hours of sleep a night. I mean, you're talking, some of these people don't even really, um, they don't even, they're really not sleeping or stopping at all. So the longer that goes on, the less logical and grounded the thoughts get. Um, Also in concurrence with that diminishing sleep, the individuals will become from that kind of happy grandiosity will move towards irritability, hostility, and anger. A lot of times as their grand ideas are not kind of picked up and um, received well by those around them, there's a sense of paranoia that starts to set in. Mm. And, um, just that sense of being like persecuted. They can feel like everyone's out and now against them. Um, and when you compare this or when you compound this with the fact that oftentimes there is a lot of impulsive behaviors. So you can see uh, unusual s- sexual impulses or activity mm-hmm. uh, and unusual impulsive spendings. It's not uncommon for people to make impulsive trips, right. cars, large purchases. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars if possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, mania is a very serious condition and it's one that requires very immediate attention. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, that piece that you pointed out that it feels good because you know this is something that i always point to is if you have a ton of energy you feel great you um, feel like you're going to change the world um, you feel like you're going to do big things 
of course you're going to feel great and you're not going to want to get out of that state. Um, but I think, like you said, the longer that you're kind of there, the less sleep that you're getting, the less receptive people are, are being to your grand ideas, the more agitated and um, disorganized your thought process is going to get just based on probably just based on lack of sleep alone. Um, Absolutely. So it's like, it's something that starts out feeling really good. And then it sort of morphs into this place where it can become really bad because there's, like you said, you, you may be taking unnecessary risks, spending a lot of money. People are, you could have a paranoid feeling because no one's, no one's picking up what you're throwing down in terms of your grand ideas, if that makes sense. So when it first starts, it can feel really good, but then you kind of start to spiral after you've been in that state for a while. Absolutely. And so here's the key point, right? We described this manic condition. And I think to a lot of people, it's like, wow, that's intense, right? Mm -hmm. Like how many people have gone 10 days without sleeping? Right. You know, not many, honestly, it's a, it's a very serious, uh, condition. Um, to be bipolar, you, you, definitively have to have a had at least one manic episode right so mm -hmm. if you're talking about an individual who has not undergone these traits they're not bipolar they are disqualified from a <laughs> mental health standpoint they are disqualified from this condition if they have not had this happen sure and i think here we should probably specify that there are also degrees to which this could happen right like you could have more of uh, like what we would call a hypomanic episode where it's not quite as intense, but there's still sort of an elevated feeling aspect to it. Yes. So that would be, um, there are two conditions that do allow for this hypomania to kind of manifest hypomania to your point, Andy, increased energy, decreased need for sleep, nowhere near as extreme as a full manic mm -hmm. episode. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's like an elevated sense of self-worth, uh, a little grandiosity to the thought process. So the, the individuals may have like bigger ideas. It could be for society, for their job, mm -hmm. but they're they're well out of the scope of what a one individual could accomplish. Within hypomania, it is possible for someone to have what's called bipolar 2 disorder. But even that is a condition that's not commonly used and does not fit the bill of someone who's having mood swings. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think we both just did a pretty good job of maybe describing for people who don't necessarily know what it is, what a manic episode could look like. Um, so, so it's the cycling between that mania that we were just talking about and the depressive episode. Um, so can you talk about, and it, maybe we don't have to give um, quite as much detail here, because like I said, I think most people sort of have an idea of what depression is. But what does a depressive episode kind of look like? Well, to be quite honest, I do think that a lot of times people kind of can misconstrue depression. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Tune in next week when Pete and I will continue to talk about depression and how that has kind of become a misnomer unto itself. Hope everybody has a great week and we'll see you next time.